Welcome to the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. For over 30 years, Paul Stone has been seriously handicapping college football, college basketball, and PGA Tour golf. Over the past five seasons, spanning almost 600 releases, Paul has hit 55% against the spread in college football, gaining the respect of sports books and bettors throughout the world. He is monitored by highly respected the Sports Monitor of Oklahoma City. Paul has also won two major Las Vegas football handicapping contests and finished in the top four in two others. Each week, Paul will provide exclusive handicapping insights on the podcast. To receive Paul's exact picks each week, you can sign up for member-only access at paulstonesports.org. Now, on to the show. Week 10 of the college football season is upon us, and the train keeps on moving down the tracks. Uh, doesn't look like it's slowing down anytime soon. In fact, we're more than halfway through the regular season. Hello again, college football fans. This is Paul Stone, and welcome to episode 127 of the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. This week's version titled, The Rise and Fall. Uh, this week, I'm going to offer some teams uh, that I believe are on an upward trend, uh, four teams to be exact, and then four others that I feel like are perhaps on a downward trajectory. Risers and fallers. Thus, this week's title, The Rise and Fall. Uh, you'll note that you know none of the teams that I list as being on the rise are playoff contenders. Uh, only one was even included in this week's first version of the 2023 college football playoff rankings, uh, and that team was only among the uh, final five spots there. And likewise, the teams on the fall list are certainly not clunkers. Uh, in fact, they're far from it. Uh, the collective uh, record of the teams on the fall is actually better than that of the teams on the rise. Uh, but, you know, from my perspective, it's all about where I feel uh, they are today in relation to where the overall market feels they are. You know, my mission is really not about, you know, picking the, the best four teams or, or those types of things. It's about identifying teams that are undervalued uh, and conversely identifying uh, other teams that are overvalued. You know, you're going to hit some uh, and you're going to miss some. But if I take nine swings and make contact five times, you know, I can live with that. You know, in fact, I can take it to the bank. You know, that's a good average there, 55%. So going to hit a few, going to miss a few. Hopefully we're going to hit more than we miss. Use this information as you uh, see fit. Certainly markets adapt and could certainly uh, adjust to my way of thinking. However, you know, if you see a team on the rise, that's getting six, and you were thinking the line really should be two and a half or perhaps three, I uh, feel like that's a, a more appropriate number, then you might take a close look at the dog in that case. Uh, without further ado, uh, let's get started with the rise and fall. And we're going to start with the fallers. Uh, these are going to be presented, first of all, in uh, no particular order, so don't, uh, you know, attribute any... Uh, certain uh, 
priority or, or emphasis on the way that I present these, the order that I present these. I just kind of did it uh, randomly. So let's start with the fallers, those that are part of the fall. Let's begin with uh, Mac Brown and the North Carolina Tar Heels. Uh, the Tar Heels, they rose to number 10 in both major polls uh, in mid-October after defeating Miami of Florida 41-31. to but if you watch that game and you watched it closely, you know that that was thanks in large part to four turnovers by the uh, Hurricanes. The Tar Heels were actually plus four in the turnover category in that game. Uh, since that win, however, uh, North Carolina has dropped back-to-back -back games as a double-digit favorite in both cases. Uh, first losing at home to Virginia 31-27 to as a 23-and-a-half-point favorite. And then this past weekend, Fail at Georgia Tech, 46 to 42, is an 11 and a half point favorite. Uh, that was the second straight year that they've fallen to the Yellow Jackets uh, as a considerable favorite. In fact, last year, I think they were laying more than 20. Uh, this week, the Tar Heel is going to be laying the house against FBS Campbell, so I don't think I'll be involved in any shape, form, or fashion there. Uh, but I just don't imagine that they're going to have the tank full. Uh, for these final three ACC games, and thus they're on the fall. Going to go to one of their mates in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Going to look at those Clemson Tigers. They are on the uh, fall list here. After losing uh, this past weekend to NC State at NC State, in fact, they're in Raleigh, 24-17 to as a nine-and-a-half point road favorite. Clemson now 4-4 four and four on the season, 7-7. Seven and seven in its last 14 games dating back to last season. And one of those seven victories came this season versus FBS Charleston Southern. So if you take out the victory, I said FBS, actually FCS Charleston Southern. So if you take out that victory in their last 13 games versus FBS members, Clemson only six and seven. Head coach Dabo Sweeney, it's been a tough week for him. Uh, he's been arguing uh, with Tyler from Spartanburg, uh, if you follow that story, and maybe even others. Uh, but perhaps even more of a concern for Clemson, Cade Klubnik, their quarterback, uh, he just hasn't come anywhere close to meeting his five-star promise uh, out of Westlake High School down in Austin, Texas. When Clemson has been champions, they've had a championship-caliber quarterback. Uh, they've also had field-stretching wide receivers, you know, almost certainly destined for the NFL. Today, they have neither. Brighter days certainly may be ahead for uh, Dabo and the Tigers, but I don't believe uh, those days are going to come in 2023. Going to move now out of the Atlantic Coast Conference, and we're actually going to move. We're going to take a trip over 3,000 miles, I'm sure, across the country to the West Coast, and the next team on the fall list, the USC Trojans. You know, no such list in my mind could be complete uh, without including Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, and the USC Trojans. Uh, a word of caution, though, you know, this recommendation uh, may come a little bit late. The Trojans last covered a football game way back on September 9th. So uh, USC has failed to cover its last six games. In fact, if you bet the Trojans' opponent in those last six games and the over in all 
six of those games, you would be 12-0 and against the spread, uh, and you would perhaps have a, a nice little treasure chest there. USC this week going to host playoff contender. Washington is a three or three-and-a-half point home dog. Again, we're admittedly uh, late to the party, but we could still, you know, I can still see that the Trojans going totally in the tank. Caleb Williams, I believe he's going to play this week, but what if USC loses Saturday? Uh, and what if he, you know, takes a few big hits? Does he keep on trucking, or does he call it a college career? You know, I still think that's a real possibility, uh, even before a bowl game. So we'll see what happens there. So keep your, your ears open uh, as well as your eyes. Going to stay in the Pac-12 conference for another team, and this team is in the thick of the four-team college playoff chase. Give you a little time to think about it. About two or three more seconds. If you guessed the Washington Huskies, you are correct. Uh, and if your thought, first of all, is to fade every team on this list uh, from here to eternity, you don't really like this entry because, again, they are playing USC uh, this Saturday there in Los Angeles. You can't vote, you know, you can't vote, fade rather both teams. Uh, you know, I certainly realize, obviously, the Huskies, I think they're number five there in the college playoff rankings that were revealed last night on Tuesday, October 31st. And again, it's a reference point as I record shortly after 5 p.m. Central on Wednesday, November 1st. But Washington in at number five, they're going to be in the college football playoff, the 14 playoff with five more victories. But I'm just not sure they get there. In fact, I really, I really don't think they do. You know, Washington, first of all, they were extremely fortunate to nip Oregon uh, at home a few weeks back. I think anybody, maybe other than an ardent uh, Husky fan, would agree Oregon was the better team on that day. The Ducks deserved to win, probably, uh, and without some uh, curious coaching decisions, perhaps would have won uh, that game. But, uh, you know, I think Washington's fortunate to, to win that game. And when you look at this Washington team, Michael Penix Jr., and company, they just didn't display the same precision in the month of October that they had dazzled the college football world with in September. I mean, they just looked like an unstoppable force offensively in September with beautiful timing, you know, albeit not against, you know, a, a collective great slate of opponents, but they just don't have that same look in my eyes as we enter the first Saturday in November. Again, the Huskies play at uh, Southern Cal this week, as we said. They host Utah the following week. They close the season out with a road trip to Oregon State and then a home game against rival Washington State. You know, I think they're going to lose one of those four. And, and, you know, there's still a good chance, though, even though I think they're going to lose one of those four, there's still a good chance that they're going to be in that uh, Pac-12 championship game in Las Vegas. That would be a rematch almost certainly against Oregon for whatever it's worth, and I think my number's probably going to be close, if not where they would open it, I would currently make in that game, and things can change, injuries and performance and so forth and so on, but I would currently make Oregon minus three and a half over Washington in a rematch uh, there in Las Vegas in December. Now we're going to look at the risers. Let me get on the positive side of the, uh, of the menu here, and we're going to go to the Big 12. We're going to start with Oklahoma State. And Mike Gundy, Gundy uh, and the uh, Oklahoma State Cowboys, 
you know, as I said earlier this week uh, on some media appearances, liking, loving, or loathing, Mike Gundy can coach a little college football. You know, he's one of those guys, I like to say, he gets more out of less. You know, what the point spread does, one of the things that it does, in my opinion anyway, is it reflects public perception or opinion. And you look at Oklahoma State since the start of the 2016 season, so the past seven seasons plus, overall, all games, 96 games, Oklahoma State, 58, 38, and 3 against the spread. Again, since the start of 2016, 58, 38, and 3 against the spread. So if you bet the Cowboys blindly in all 99 of those games, you'd have a winning ticket 60% of the time and uh, would have a little bit of cash, hopefully. This year, uh, pretty much more of the same, in my opinion. Oklahoma State, they bottomed out. They didn't start out uh, all roses. They did bottom out in week three. Lost at home, got thrashed at home, 33-7. to uh, Got beat by Sunbelt member South Alabama. Really uh, tough loss, but after that 2-2, uh, 2-2 September, the Cowboys, they won and covered all four of their games in October. Uh, this is a really good football team. They're hosting Oklahoma this week in what's the uh, final edition of Bedlam, uh, at least for the foreseeable future. Going to be an interesting game to watch there. But in any case, Gundy's at it again, friends. Going to look now at one of their uh, Big 12 mates. Going to look at Iowa State. Iowa State, first of all, they were all they went four and eight last year, you know, to begin with, and they didn't really return a whole lot of uh, top shelf talent. I think they returned a total of about eleven starters, maybe. So ex- expectations for the Cyclones already not particularly high in Ames before the season. Then a betting scandal, which you probably followed at some level, hits Iowa State. Uh, they have to suspend at least five projected starters on the football team by my count. Uh, that list included quarterback Hunter Deckers. So they, you know, they didn't have a ton coming back to begin with. That team went four and eight last year, and now they lose some key players from that team. Also lost uh, their top running back, their leading rusher from 2022. The Cyclones, kind of like Oklahoma State, at least somewhat predictably in my mind, they stumbled out of the gate. Failed a one and two after a mid-September loss at Mac member Ohio University, but Iowa State—they've rebounded nicely in Big Twelve play. They've won four of their first five conference games. They currently, as we enter November, sit in a five-way tie for first place in the league. Uh, they are four and one uh, as they host Kansas this Saturday. The Cyclones a two-and-a-half-point favorite in that game against nationally-ranked Kansas, and that's a Kansas team coming off its first win over Oklahoma since way back in 1997. So that's the first time that Kansas has defeated Oklahoma in 26 years. So we got two fallers from the Big 12, and now we're going to go to another – or two risers, rather. I'm getting confused on the rise and the fall. Two risers from the Big 12, and now we're going to go to two risers from the Pac-12. 
And first of all, let's start with the Arizona Wildcats. Arizona, arguably one of the most negatively impacted Power 5 programs in all of college football, in my opinion, in terms of losses through the transfer portal in the offseason. You know, like a lot of teams, that even Power 5 teams that are not in the upper echelon, upper half of their conferences perhaps, uh, the teams come in and the, the stronger teams, the higher profile teams come in and cherry pick your top players. And that certainly happened to Arizona at, at some level. But the Wildcats, they're uh, they're kind of riding high right now. They have pulled back-to-back upsets over a pair of ranked teams, Washington State and Oregon State. They're 5-3 and three with four regular season games remaining. A defense, their defense, that wasn't expected to be a team strength, frankly. It's a big reason behind Arizona's relative success to this point. These rankings don't sound, you know, all that lofty, but they really, considering what they had returning, you know, so forth and so on, I, I think they really bear mentioning the Wildcats, 46th in scoring uh, defense, allowed 23.6 points per game, 39th in total defense, allowed 357 Point three yards per game, so that's a really good Arizona defense. Their backup quarterback, Noah Fafita, he was pressed into starting duty uh, earlier this year after starter Jaden DeLora suffered an ankle injury. Uh, Fafita started last week in the Wildcats' 27-24 victory over Oregon State, despite DeLora being pronounced as ready to go. So DeLora was healthy enough to play. Fafita still started. He appears to be the man under center for Arizona going forward. The other team in the Pac-12 that we're going to look at is a riser, the Arizona State Sun Devils. And I'll admit at a cursory glance, you know, Arizona State, uh, their record, perhaps uh, not much to look at. They're only two and six to this point. But we're talking about, you know, being undervalued or being overvalued. In this Sun Devil team, they have a, Bulldog of a coach, a 33-year-old first-year head coach, Kenny Dillingham. This team has shown some fight, in my opinion. You know, and they are certainly outperforming public perception, uh, and that's evidenced by five straight covers. And you look at those five straight covers by Arizona State, they have cleared the point spread on those five covers by an average of 13.4 points a game. They bettered the number by double digits in all but one of those contests. So uh, in four of the five covers, five straight covers, they've covered by double digits. And the average over the five covers, again, 13.4 points. So I still think there's some value uh, with Arizona State. Don't think the market's caught up with them. Uh, They're coming off their first Pac-12 win of the season. They defeated Washington State 38-27 this past Saturday as a a five-and-a-half-point home underdog. And then the previous week, you probably watched that game or at least heard of it, Arizona State, they took uh, Washington to the brink uh, before losing 15-7. to And there was a a questionable call uh, late in that game with Arizona State uh, driving deep in Washington territory with a chance to take the lead. But uh, Arizona State's a different team today than they they were the first Saturday in September. You know, this time of year, uh, as we get into kind of the dog days, you know, they started practicing way back around August 1st. This time of year, a lot of college football teams, guys and gals, start to lose a little focus. You know, they take their foot off the gas a little. 
they start looking ahead to uh, to the holidays and frankly next season. Maybe even start looking forward to the transfer portal. Who knows what's all on their mind these days? But I don't think Arizona State's in that boat. You know, I think this is a team that's going to keep fighting for respect. I think they're going to keep fighting for victories. So I really uh, like this Arizona State game, a team the last four games of the season, and I really respect uh, what Kenny Dillingham uh, is doing in his first season. Again, only 33 years old. I think he's the youngest. Uh, head coach at the FBS level at a Power 5 school, the former offensive coordinator at Oregon, and before that he was at Auburn. And if you follow college football really closely, I don't think it's a stretch to say that Kenny Dillingham is the reason that Bo Nix is at, at Oregon. Um, he was Dillingham was the, the offense coordinator at Auburn, gets the job at Oregon. Uh, he's co- coached out there two or three years as their offensive coordinator. He was Nix's offensive coordinator during Nix's true freshman season at Auburn before Dillingham went to Oregon as the OC. So when Bo Nix was looking for a change of scenery, I don't think he just picked Oregon out of a hat. I think he picked Oregon because of his familiarity with Kenny Dillingham and the rest is history. Now for my uh, complimentary selection. In college football this week, we've already talked about those Arizona Wildcats. They're going to be hosting UCLA this week. The total posted at 51. Uh, I'm going to look at the uh, the total here uh, of 51. And I don't think anyone, first of all, in our preseason preparation could have projected that these would be two really good defenses. But the numbers uh, don't lie. You know, UCLA, first of all, they're one of the top defensive teams in all of college football. You know, they rank, the Bruins rank high uh, nationally in a number of key defensive uh, statistical categories. They're 10th in scoring defense, only allowing 16.1 points per game. They're second in rushing defense, only give up 59 yards uh, rushing a game. And they only allow 6.2 yards per pass attempt. So there's no easy uh, moving of the football uh, against UCLA's defense. On offense, not quite as uh, talented on that side of the ball, for lack of a better way to phrase it. The Bruins, they've scored 28 points or fewer in four of their five games this season versus Power 5 opponents. You know, the Pac-12 has long kind of had the reputation of being a high-scoring league, but both of these teams, if you have bet them under all year, man, you have made some money. They have been under machines in 2023, both UCLA and Arizona. First, UCLA, 6-1 and one to the under this season versus FBS opponents. Arizona, meanwhile, 7-1 and one to the under versus all opponents this season. So they are, uh, they've been under machines. I actually made this uh, total 48. It's now, it's listed at 51. I think this game stays in the 40s uh, as the total number of points scored. UCLA, Arizona, Saturday night in Tucson, take the under 51. All right, folks, that does it for another edition of the uh, Paul Stone Sports Podcast. Regular season, man, it's going to be gone before you know it. So uh, cherish uh, each and every Saturday. uh, Try to stay away from fall weddings. Uh, should anybody schedule such an event, stay away from uh, honeydews if you can. Do them during the week or, or twist an ankle or uh, do something. 
but <laughs> try to keep in front of that television and watch and enjoy a little college football. Until next time, signing off once again, I'm Paul Stone. Thank you for listening to the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And visit paulstonesports.org to sign up for member-only access to Paul's college football, college basketball, and PGA Tour golf picks and predictions.